The Lord be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we're uh, grateful for your presence uh, in our midst, um, Lord, and your word that has been spoken. Uh, I pray now that um, just as you promised, uh, that as the good shepherd, uh, you're speaking to us and that we will hear your voice. I pray that each and every one of us would hear you calling us by name, calling us out to find pasture in the midst of your gospel today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, as Matt said earlier, it is Eastertide, uh, which means Easter is a whole season. It's not just one day. I remember when I was uh, growing up, it was just kind of a one and done kind of a thing. It was just, you know, Easter, and then, then we get on with our lives. So we're trying to extend that out to 50 days here of Easter, uh, where we're celebrating resurrection, we're learning what it looks like to practice uh, resurrection, what it looks like to practice new creation. So if this is true that Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead, and that, that means that new creation has burst in upon the world, uh, how do we participate in that? How do we live lives that, that participate in this reality that's now become available to us? And that's what we want to talk about um, today. Um, so uh, the, the good news proclamation for today is this. In a world that seeks life by avoiding suffering, in a world that seeks life by avoiding suffering, we proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ has opened up the door to abundant life by embracing suffering on the cross, and, in, and he invites us to follow his example. He invites us to follow his example. Uh, Deb and I drink coffee in the mornings. Anybody, anybody relate? We like coffee? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Donna Hose, I know, this, you know, sorry. Uh, but we drink coffee in the mornings. But here's the thing, we don't drink just any coffee in the mornings. Um, we grind freshly roasted coffee beans from a roaster in Fort Wayne, where we used to live, that we got to know, uh, that I still think probably, you know, makes some of the best coffee in this region. And so, you know, there's plenty of places we could go, drive down the street, get some coffee that's roasted right here in Indianapolis. But I really like this coffee that's roasted in Fort Wayne. And so we've got to have these people ship it to us. Um, but, you know, it needs to be fresh. Like, we're kind of serious about our coffee. And so we can't just have them ship, like, a year's worth of coffee to the house. That would be ridiculous because eventually it gets old and a little stale and it doesn't quite taste as good, you know, as... Uh, right? Yeah, right. I mean, ain't nobody got time for that. That's, so we, in order for it to be fresh, we, uh, we don't go like one pound at a time. We go two pounds at a time. It feels like the maximum amount of freshness that we can sort of endure. By the time we get to the end of that second bag, we're like, you know, I, I feel like I can taste them like this is the end of the second bag. I know that this is the end of the second bag. Um, so we're serious about coffee. So we have this system, right? So as soon as we crack open the second bag of coffee, the second pound of coffee, I know it's time to order more coffee. Like that's, you know, so that we get the coffee in time to, you may be able to grind it. Um, and so there's this system, you know, I used to do this. Now, now like Deb does that, kind of her job. And so we've got this, if I crack open the last bag, I have to email her like right then and there or text her and say, hey, it's time to order more coffee. Like, let's make sure we don't, you know, run into a situation where, heaven forbid, we have to wake up in the morning take the dog out, you know, to go to the bathroom, come in, start getting breakfast ready, and realize horror of horrors that there's no coffee. What would we do, right? Now, this sometimes happens. It happens a few days ago, uh, where something, you know, either we forget to order the coffee, or um, sometimes, you know, I've actually checked to see, you know, you can click on the, 
the tracking number. I've checked to see where my coffee is because I'm like, I thought we ordered this in time. But you know, sometimes they got to ship it from Fort Wayne and it doesn't just come to Fisher's, even though it's like right on the way. I always feel like I could, you know, call the truck and say, could you just drop it? Like, just drop it at like a, like a highway, you know, stop, like do like, like a dead drop, like in some of those drug deals you see on TV. Like, uh, could you just do that? But no, it's got to go all the way to the post office in Indianapolis. And then sometimes it sits there for a few days before it comes back up to Fisher's. And so, uh, Anyway, sometimes something goes wrong, and this happened a couple days ago, a few days ago, where something went wrong and we didn't have any coffee in the morning. I went to go grind it and there's like nothing there. And um, I know it sounds silly, but like I had this sinking feeling in my heart. I was like, oh no. This day just got terrible. Like, it, it, like uh, you know, and it's not like we don't have other, like, you know, it's partly about the caffeine, but it's not, it's not really about the caffeine. We, we've got tea we can make. But, you know, I'm sitting there drinking tea in the morning and just feeling like, this is awful. Like, my life is terrible. I'm drinking tea in the morning. We're out of coffee beans again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I know this is somewhat silly, but, um, but we live in a world that avoids suffering like the plague. And that's what I recognize is going on in me when I don't have the thing that I want to have when I want to have it. Coffee's one of those things. I've got other things. You guys might have some things, some little routines in your life that you really don't like to do without. And this is part, like we come by this honestly. We live in a world that avoids suffering like the plague. We're relentlessly seeking convenience, comfort, and it really bothers us. It really bothers us if we're thwarted in not getting what we want when we want it. I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, Louis C.K. Uh, he's a somewhat crass comedian, but he did this bit on a um, late night show uh, a while back uh, called Everything's Amazing and Nobody's Happy. It's really funny. Uh, I recommend you look it up. But, but it's basically he lampoons these minor inconveniences that we all run into that people blow up into like the end of the world, like this, this rampant injustice. And um, you know, one of the things that he talks about is flying on airplanes, where he says like, you know, like flying on an airplane, like that's a pretty amazing thing. But, you know, when you hear people recount the tales of their travels, you would think that, you know, you would think that this was the worst thing that ever happened to them. Like, well, we, we, they delayed the flight for 20 minutes. We had to sit there for, and then we got on the plane and they made us wait on the plane, on the tarmac for 40 more minutes. And Louis C.K., uh, you know, in the bit, he says, and then what happened? Did you fly through the air? like a bird, miraculously? <laughs> Everybody on every plane should be just yelling, going like, oh my gosh, oh my word, I'm flying. So anyway, um, we are hilariously, I just, I wanted to work that in, I, I really like that myth. <clears throat> but we are hilariously allergic to inconvenience. These minor forms of suffering that we're really, really allergic to. What is that about? I, just, I started thinking about that. Like, why do I not... Like, why can't I just be like, oh, shoot, no more coffee. I guess we'll order some. Why can't I, like, why does this bother me? What's going on? Um, maybe, maybe you can relate. Maybe you get agitated uh, when you're at a restaurant and the server doesn't refill your water in a timely manner. Maybe uh, you go to ridiculous lengths to make sure you never run out of your favorite coffee. Maybe you go over budget on your eating out budget because you really don't want to make dinner tonight. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Thank you, Sharon. Let, let the hero yes, yes. Now, you know, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not 
you know, dogging on some of those. You know, I like to have my favorite coffee. I know sometimes, you know, we go out to eat and all, all that kind of stuff. But I'm saying, like, what's that limitation? What, why does it bother us so much to be limited in sort of getting what we want right when we want it? We live in a world that's allergic to suffering, that avoids it like the plague. Sometimes it's a little bit more complex. Sometimes uh, my desire for convenience and comfort actually creates problems for other people that I'm unaware of. Um, for example, one of the things I love to do is order things on Amazon. This is one of my convenience things. You've got Amazon Prime. It comes in two days, free shipping. It's great, right? I, I try to order as much stuff as I can just because I love not going to Target to get deodorant. You know, like I love just, it comes in the mail. It's great. Um, but I, I read this article um, that talked about uh, Amazon Prime memberships over the past couple of years have doubled, doubled. A lot of people are getting in on this. You know, and it just feels like a, like a no-brainer, like, oh, well, it's convenient, well, let's, let's do that. But I read this article that said that there's this problem now with delivery trucks clogging the roads because so many people are ordering things that now there's, there's all these delivery trucks that have to get out and, and deliver things to people's doorsteps because we want it, you know, in two days with free shipping. And so we, we get it in two days with free shipping, but then, like, what other problems are caused in this? I, I work from home a lot, and um, my, the, the window of my office looks, you know, right out of the street. And so sometimes I'll see the, the person coming with my package, you know, of the thing that I ordered. You know, but I recognized the other day, it was like, she's probably like 48, maybe 50 years old. This woman with a carpal tunnel brace carrying my package to my doorstep. And I just thought, like, what's her life like? I wonder what my convenience costs her. I don't know. So look, it can get complex. And that's to say nothing about you know, the ways that my comfortable American life relies on products that were oftentimes produced under what amounts to slave labor. You know, it's easy to just buy the jeans because they're on sale, but I wonder how they were made. I never think about how were they made so cheaply? Why, why do they only cost this much? What, how, did they get, how, did these pe- how did these genes get here? So we live in this world uh, that avoids suffering like the plague. And all these things seem pretty petty, right? Like, hashtag first world problems. Uh, but I think they reveal how deeply embedded this fear of suffering goes in our culture. We're deathly afraid of it. We're deathly afraid of it. We really, really try to avoid it. And we, we avoid it of any kind, right? Even when it's the most minor thing, uh, we go to great uh, lengths to, um, to avoid it. We can't stand limitation. Um, and I think that's the... We can't stand not having what we want now because, because it feels unjust. It feels like this is the thing that's going to make me happy. And how dare you keep me from the thing that's going to make me happy? I think that's what these things reveal to us, these little agitations. They, they reveal that we think that in getting these things, that's what we need to have life, to have the good life. It means that someone or something is blocking us from having life, which feels pretty important, right? And this is essentially the American dream, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. But the way that we've interpreted liberty is being able to do whatever I want. The way that we've interpreted life is just having everything I want. And happiness is having everything I want. And life is the absence of suffering. And so we, we're seeking life, but we're seeking it by avoiding these little sufferings that, that, that get in our way. And we just live these lives of agitation because we're constantly trying to avoid this suffering. But here's the good news we proclaim today. In this world that, avoid, that seeks life by avoiding suffering, we proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ has opened the door to abundant life by embracing suffering 
And he calls us, he invites us to imitate him, to imitate his example in embracing suffering to find life. So let's look at uh, the passages that we read. We're, we're preaching primarily from the first Peter passages through Eastertide, um, but I'm kind of bringing them all in here because uh, I think they all, they all kind of uh, inform this theme. In John 10, um, Jesus says that uh, he has come that we may have life and have it to the full, full life. Abundant life is another way of saying that. Um, and that's, the, that's kind of Jesus' mission statement, is I've come, these, all, these other people have come and, and it didn't work out, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Uh, abundant life is the same thing, when you read your Bibles, abundant life is the same thing as eternal life, is the same thing as new creation, it's the same thing as the kingdom of God. Like all those phrases mean the same thing and it refers to Jesus in his mission was, was saying, I have life in my relationship with the Father through the Spirit, and I come to give it away. I come to invite everyone else into this life that I share in the Trinity. That's what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to just solve a problem for us. His death on the cross and his resurrection was not about just solving our sin problem. It was about offering life. And it's the very life of the Trinity that he's offering to us. And so this is his mission statement. He says, I've come to give you abundant life. And we were created for abundant life. That's why we seek, like every human is seeking the good life. That's what we're all doing. That's what we're trying to obtain, the good life. It's just that we've believed this lie that we can get it if we avoid suffering. But Jesus shows us a different way here. Jesus shows us a different way. So Jesus proclaims, this is, this is what I've come to give, this abundant good life. Psalm 23, Matt read it this morning. This is one of the most beautiful descriptions of the good life. It's life with God. It's a beautiful description of the good life. And then earlier in 1 Peter, um, I think, uh, I can't remember who preached this one, but, but you know, Peter writes that, um, he, said, he says to this church that he's writing to, you guys are filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy. You're receiving the goal of your salvation, the, the result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, so that's the, that's the goal. That's, that's what gets proclaimed here is that Jesus has come to give us abundant life. But here's the thing. This abundant life isn't normally how we think of it. It's not how the prosperity preachers tell us it is. <laughs> Even in Psalm 23, this beautiful description of, of abundant life in Christ, it has these dark over undertones, doesn't it? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, wait a second. <laughs> like this is the abundant life? Yeah, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even in the presence of my enemies? Yes, God's there, giving abundant life. We don't get abundant life by avoiding the shadow of death. We get it by walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And in 1 Peter, we see the same thing. Um, these same people that were filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy are also people who have had to suffer trials and grief in, like, grief in all kinds of trials. Same people. And so in the passage that we read today, um, Peter en encourages his, his uh, readers to endure suffering. Endure it. Endure suffering. That's the call. As you live this good life, you endure suffering. This is part of it. It's part and parcel to it. The context here is, is submitting to human authorities. He encourages them, hey, look, submit to every human authority. Just do what you can to follow the rules. You know, if they say you've got to go to jail for your faith, go to jail for your faith. It's fine. If an angel opens up the doors and lets you out, well, submit to the angel. Leave, you know, leave, leave prison. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's kind of the, the context here. He's saying, like, don't... Uh, Jesus was never about, like, armed rebellion. Like, submit to the authorities. That's, that's the context. And sometimes that will cause suffering. 
That will cause suffering. To this, he actually says this, to this you were called. To what? To endure this kind of suffering. Not to explain it, not to avoid it, and not to turn it back around on those that are causing it for you. Yeah? That's, those, are the, those are the things we try to do with suffering. We try to explain it away. We try to avoid it. And one of the primary ways of avoiding it is by saying, I'm not going to suffer. You're going to suffer. I'm going to turn this around on you. And into that context, Peter says, no, you're actually called to endure the suffering. It's commendable before God if you endure the suffering. In a world that seeks to avoid, that, that seeks life by avoiding suffering, we proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ has opened up the door to abundant life by embracing suffering and calls us to follow his example. Um, honestly, like, I think about, it's been hard for me to kind of translate this passage for our day. Because the, you know, the suffering I just narrated was, uh, I don't have enough coffee sometimes in the morning, <laughs> right? Or at least it's the kind of coffee I like. You know, it's even worse. Um, and so uh, I try to think back through it and say, okay, what, what was the suffering they were undergoing? And it's, it's just so much different, right? They, they were suffering social exclusion because of their faith. They were suffering injustice. Um, there was like really actually unjust, unjust stuff happening to these people. Peter tells them, in that context, don't fight for your rights but endure suffering, submitting themselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Um, so I just don't experience a lot of this. My problems, the ways that I avoid suffering, you know, don't have to do with, should I take up arms against my oppressor? That's not, that's not what I think about in the morning. Um, I think about whether or not I have enough coffee. So I don't experience this suffering on the basis of my faith or the color of my skin. Um, but what, what I'm learning is that some around me do. Some around me do, even here. Some around me experience this stuff. And so one of the things Christians have always done is stand in solidarity with those who are marginalized and scapegoated. Christians have always done this. Whether they were the ones being marginalized and scapegoated or not, they've always stood with those who are being marginalized and scapegoated. And so uh, that's one of the things we've, we've established a, a little bit of a relationship with al Huda. Um, and uh, one of the things that we're going to be uh, doing that I'd, I'd invite you guys to experience as well, just talk to me afterwards if you want to do this, but June 17th, they've got an Experience Ramadan event. It's basically just saying, hey, we're going to talk about this fast that we do and um, invite you to, you know, just come and experience that and learn about it, that kind of thing. So we're going to go to that, at least uh, Deb and I and Matt and Sharon are. You guys are welcome to join us in that. That's one way, a small way, to just at least get to know some neighbors of ours who are experiencing some, some form of marginalization, especially in our current political climate. So that's one thing. That, that's a way that we can bear up under, un, under ju, unjust suffering. You know, I can, I can get over my aversion to not having enough coffee as well. That, that can be something I do as well. But uh, we can also uh, stand with uh, the marginalized. This is what Jesus was doing when he, whenever he would have uh, dinner. We'd have table fellowship with sinners and tax collectors. It was more than just, it, it, it meant a lot. He was basically standing in solidarity with them and basically saying, I'm one of you, I associate with you. Which is what made the Pharisees uh, really, really upset. So finally, um, so that, that's the thing. The, the goal is abundant life, but the call is that we experience abundant life through embracing suffering, just like Christ did. And that's the final kind of anchor here that I want to talk about is that um, Peter talks about embracing suffering. Why? Just because you guys are masochists? No, because Jesus Christ suffered for you. 
Jesus Christ opened the way to life by his suffering, and you're called to follow his example. In a world that seeks life by avoiding suffering, we proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ has opened the door to abundant life by embracing suffering on the cross, and he invites us to follow his example. Instead of avoiding suffering, he embraced it. He, went, he endured the cross. He went to death, and he went through death and out the other side. It was like he punched a hole. It was like death before was this dark chasm, this unknown reality, this, this scary thing. We're not sure what happens. It's this dark thing. We, life ends, and we don't know what. Jesus went into that dark chasm, punched a hole in the other side, and said, come on, follow me. I've found the way to life. And that's the way to life, is through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not around it. It's not avoiding it. It's not staying on this side of it. It's saying Jesus Christ has opened the door to life. And he has not only opened the door to life, but he models for us the, the pattern of what abundant life looks like. The, the word that Peter uses here is a, is a word that's used the, uh, the wax tablets that kids use to kind of learn how to trace their letters. So the teacher would like imprint a letter or a, you know, a sentence in this wax tablet and then they'd put paper over the top of it and the kids would learn to write their letters by imitating the, the pattern that had been imprinted there. And that's what, Jesus, that, that's what Peter says Jesus is for us. He's the pattern that we imitate. We follow his example. And so the, the ironic thing, it feels ironic to us anyway, the ironic thing is that the abundant life that Jesus came to give is actually a cruciform life. Cruciform is a fancy word that just means cross-shaped. This life is shaped like a cross. Abundant life is cruciform life. Resurrection life is cruciform life. The path to new life always goes through the valley of the shadow of death. New creation is always birthed out of the womb of the old. Always. It's the pattern. We can't get abundant life by avoiding suffering. In fact, just the opposite. We get abundant life by walking through it and finding that Jesus Christ meets us there. And actually, there's even more. Paul says in another place when he writes to the Colossians, he says, now I'm happy to be suffering for you. I'm completing what's missing from Christ's sufferings in my own body. I'm doing this for the sake of his body, which is the church. And there's been, I mean, think about that. Paul's suffering isn't just a symbolic gesture. See how much I love you? It's doing something for the people he's suffering for. Just as Christ's, by his wounds, we are healed. That's what Peter proclaims. I would venture to, to say that what the New Testament proclaims is that by our wounds as the body of Christ, the world is healed. Amen. By our wounds, the world is healed. Jesus Christ has set us an example to say, this is how you bring life. Not just for yourself, but for the whole world. And now as his body, we get to imitate his example embracing suffering for the sake of the world to bring life, abundant life, not just for us, but for others. By his wounds, we are healed, and by our wounds, the world is healed. When they hurled insults, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He entrusted himself to God who judges justly. He sees everything clearly. He discerns what's best. He's our good shepherd. He is leading us to life. Even when the path goes through the valley of the shadow of death, we trust this good shepherd to lead us into resurrection, even when the path goes through suffering. In a world that seeks life by avoiding suffering, the good news that we proclaim today is that Jesus Christ has opened the door 
to abundant life by embracing suffering. And then he invites us to follow his example. So let's respond to this word today. Um, a couple things that I, uh, you know, a couple things that I'm doing um, in response to kind of having this word uh, dwell in me, I guess, uh, over the last week as I've been preparing. Um, I think uh, my agitation at not having enough coffee in the morning is a is a sign that I probably need to embrace some sort of discipline of fasting again. Um, not to like get that under control, but as a way for me to um, live into the reality that my life does not consist in the abundance of coffee. Like my life doesn't consist in me having the things I want when I want them. And by, by embracing some sort of lack, this is what a fast does, it opens up space for me to realize, okay, my, my sustenance comes from the kingdom. And my hunger pang or my desire for coffee right now is a signal to me to feast on the kingdom. And so I think I'm going to do that. Um, and uh, one of the other things... Um, I didn't really mention this during the sermon much, but one of the other ways I think that we avoid suffering is by staying in our homes uh, away from our neighbors. It's a way of avoiding some forms of suffering, right? There's relational, you know, it's not necessarily suffering to kind of get to know your neighbors, but it's a, you know, in some ways it can be. It can be awkward. It can be difficult. Uh, You can have neighbors that are difficult to get to know, um, neighbors that are angry, neighbors that don't want to talk. All of that kind of thing. So um, part of what we're doing is we're, you know, Matt talked about these table groups. We're forming a table group in our neighborhood, and we're just going to keep, keep doing it, keep offering hospitality to our neighbors and inviting people in uh, to, that, uh, to that context. So I want to ask this question uh, of you guys. Where are you avoiding suffering today? Um, where are you avoiding suffering in your effort to find life? Where are you trying to find life that you recognize, uh, this isn't doing it for me? How can you embrace the cross and trust Jesus to bring abundant life through embracing suffering? So maybe you realize, man, I avoid suffering by shopping, spending. Every time I get this little gnawing thing, I I go out and spend some money on some stuff. Maybe you realize that you turn away from the marginalized that live around you and you want to be more intentional about leaning into that. Maybe you realize you ignore your neighbors because it feels cleaner. Um, Maybe you want to be more generous. Maybe you want to give more of your money away. It would be a way of embracing a form of limitation or or suffering for the sake of the gospel. Maybe you want to embrace a discipline of fasting to get unhooked from the belief that the good life can be obtained by getting these things that I want. Maybe uh, you realize you need to stand with the marginalized more intentionally. Um, Maybe you just want to give more of yourself, more of your time to your neighbors, to your neighborhood, to your friends, to your family even, opening up your home so that those around you can experience being seen and known in God's presence. Uh, so let me pray for us, and we're going to just spend some time in silence. Um, let God speak to you about what that might be, and then we'll engage in some prayer together. But let's pray. Father, I pray that um, your spirit would speak to us, but I trust you've already been speaking. Uh, I pray you'd make it clear, Lord, um, how we can respond to you in faith as we hear this good news that you've come to open the door to eternal life, to abundant life. We want to follow you and embrace the cruciform life as the path to abundant life. Speak to us now.